I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When we finished our watch training, I mean, we really bored the hell out of that petty officer. That was there. I remember that. He just, he couldn't wait for us to be done. I'm sure he didn't want to be there. Gonzo, the Coast Guard years, boot camp, episode eight, week six and duty stations. Following my epic butt whooping, Sometime later that week, I was called in for standard personnel inspection. That included, you know, a uniform inspection, general Coast Guard knowledge, and a few other things. When your name was called, you have about 10 to 15 minutes to prepare. And when they called my name, like right after that, three or four other recruits came up to me and started getting me squared away. And by that, I mean... These dudes were sitting there taping me off to get the lint off of my uniform or whatever lint there might have been, helping me tuck in my shirt appropriately the Coast Guard way. They do this like weird sort of reef tuck thing. It's, it's, it's kind of neat. It basically makes your shirt not look baggy when in fact it really is baggy. They also were making sure that my gig line was straight. Your, your gig line is um, that line that your shirt sort of makes where the buttons are, the zipper and your belt buckle all form one straight line. The funny thing is, I still do that today. I, whoever knows me and you see me in my day job, if you ever look at my shirt and my belt buckle and the, the little zipper part of my pants, but don't look down at my zipper. Um, it's all in one straight line. At least I, I try to keep it that way. So while people were helping me get my uniform squared away or making sure it was squared away, someone else was drilling me on the general orders from the uh, Coast Guardsman handbook, the helmsman, and some other like regular sort of stuff like who the officer of the day was, a training duty officer, and you know that's that kind of that kind of stuff. There were also dudes that were making sure that my shoes were nice and shiny and that my belt buckle was nice and shiny. That was awfully nice of them. I was feeling sort of like a rock star, maybe a movie star or something like that. Although I was pretty sure they were just worried about me because I was an idiot and they were trying to get me dressed so I wouldn't be treated like an idiot. Anyway, who knows? What I did know was that the recruits who I had gotten to know, wanted to make sure that I didn't get my ass kicked again. You know, I really must have looked like total shit uh, that night when I came in with the lights off. I mean, think about it. I must have been so ugly 
Nobody wanted me even when the lights were out. That's bad. Anyway, okay, so I'm just winding now. After a quick, you know, sort of beauty makeover, I went out to the Hall of Pain, the quarterdeck, where I got beat the other night, or where I was told to perform self-harm on myself, or whatever we want to call it. I was there with four of the five recruits, so we were all lined up. I wasn't the first one that our company commander inspected. I think I was the second one. And when he came up to me, just like before, he was eyeing me up and down. He asked me a few questions that thankfully I knew the answers to. And while he's standing in front of me, he was making some sort of comment, something like he thought I was the recruit that had his shit in one sock before the other night. Shit in one sock? Like, I didn't even know what that meant. But seriously, that saying today never, it, it doesn't make sense to me at all. Who puts shit in a sock? Dang, you know what? If that was a Coast Guard thing, then I, I had no idea what kind of weird ass trip I was taking. He moved on to the next guy, a tall redheaded guy. He also was one of the squad leaders, the redheaded guy that is. And he was also one of the poor guys that got the shit cranked out of him on our very first day that we uh, met our CC. Oh, that poor guy. I remember him. He was sweating bullets and face was all red. And oh, yeah, he was, yeah, he was mad. However, Mr. Redhead didn't fare so well when he uh, was getting his inspection. He didn't know his general orders, or at least the one that he got asked. And some of the other questions you get asked, like who the training duty officer was and all that kind of stuff. He didn't know any of those questions. So while he's standing there, all of a sudden, you know, he, the company commander's like, give me your demerit slip. So he undoes his pocket and bang, zoom, he sees an Irish pennant on the guy's button. The guy said something to the company commander. And before you know it, Mr. Redhead is on the floor in a push-up position. And also that he was going to be joining me at IT that night. Our company commander probably could have thought of any reason to crank me, but he didn't. He saved that for Redhead. Thank God. As I mentioned in the previous episodes, I had become an IT ninja in boot camp. This wasn't something to be particularly proud of, but it helped me get ready for the week six physical fitness tests. It was during this week they tested you on how many push-ups you could do, pull-ups, sit-ups, your running, and the swim. Oh, and as it turns out, I was only in remedial swimming for one session. They figured out that I, I, I actually could, you know, more or less swim and not drown. It was also about this time when we were all thinking about our first duty station or where we were going to be going. When you got to decide or got to pick where you were going, you did it in the order in which you were ranked in the company. I'm not so sure I know how they actually ranked you. I vaguely sort of remember it had something to do with how well you did in your, you know, academics in there. We had lots of classroom work that I haven't even talked about any of that, uh, but I'll actually mention one of them uh, in the next episode. The, uh, we'll briefly mention it. But anyway, so your classroom performance, that kind of stuff, they, they, you got some scores on that. You got some input from the company commander. Good Lord, help me. And you also like the number of demerits you had or uh, so that kind of counted against you. And also, depending on how well you did on the physical fitness test has also helped your ranking. 
at this point, I was pretty confident that I was going to be okay for the physical fitness tests. I knew I'd at least meet the minimum requirements. I mean, I, I knew that much. As much time as I'd spent in IT, I could do a few push-ups, let me tell you. The interesting thing about the physical fitness tests was that the, um, every recruit, I believe, or almost every recruit in Victor Company did 100 sit-ups for their, their, their sit-up um, test. Our fitness trainer, he had some crazy obsession with doing sit-ups, so he wanted to make sure we could all max out on it, and 100 was the max we were allowed to do. So a lot of us, if not all of us, did the, um, the, the 100 push-up, I mean sit-up max. Another place where a lot of us were going to get points or could have gotten points uh, was the run. Seaman recruits Mr. Alternative, who I will call Morrissey, he also did really well. He didn't tell anyone till that day that he used to be a cross-country racer in high school. So the whole distance running thing, that was like his total jam. We had gone on company runs before. Um, so we ran in formation a lot. We ran out and about off base, you know, around Cape May. It was kind of cool, actually. Morrissey didn't tell anybody or act like, you know, he was like this elite runner or anything like that. When we did the run, uh, you had it, the run was supposed to be, I think it was like a mile and a half, and you had around 15 minutes to do it. This dude Morrissey, I remember, did it under 10 minutes. He, he damn near sprinted the whole thing. So he, he came in first in our group, um, or in company. I did it in just a few minutes, or a few minutes, a few seconds over 10 minutes. Not nearly as good as this dude, but it was enough that I came in second. So I picked up a lot of points. I forgot what the points were and how it maxed out, but I know I maxed out on the run. Um, so that, that was cool. The, the run itself wasn't that horrible. Um, I had a soccer coach that was much, much worse. Um, after like two hours of soccer practice, you had to run 12 laps right after practice. And the dude said you had like 18 minutes to do it. Uh, that's basically like a six minute mile. So you were almost sprinting the whole way. It was miserable. Yeah, it was really bad. Maybe my math is off. If you're interested now, my mile is about 11 minutes or 11 and a half minutes now, which is pretty much just, you know, a really fast walk. For the rest of the six week um, or uh, week six fitness test, I mean, I did okay. I did more than your average number of pull-ups than some of the other guys in the group. I was really surprised that um, I was able to do more push-ups than half the, the group that was there. Anyway, I probably couldn't do nearly as many now, if any at all. Eh, that's, that's sad. But, you know, I did okay with the, with the other stuff, you know, um, yeah, the push-ups and the swim, you know, all that stuff was, 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 was okay. So just not nearly as impressive as um, the, the run um, I did and the sit-ups. So after all that was sort of done, um, that, that was like a huge weight off of everyone's shoulders. You had passed the uh, final physical fitness test. So barring some other catastrophe, you were going to be graduating the fourth week in November. But before you graduated, you needed to pick out what your first duty station was going to be. Um, again, it was based on your ranking, how you picked, what order you picked in. I remember, not exact number, but I was in the top of 25 of the people in my company. We had around 70 at this point. We had picked up a, a, a handful of other recruits that had been reverted from a, um, a company ahead of us. That wasn't uncommon. Apparently, people got reverted quite often. Um, you, you never wanted to be reverted though. We had a few in our company that got 
reverted to um, a company behind us. I mean, that kind of sucks. We're all in this this building. I forgot what building it was. Um, it might have been the first building that we were in the first night we had talked to our company commander, met our company commander. I don't know. I sat down with everybody else, and the interesting thing was I didn't actually pick my uh, first duty station with the rest of the company. Before you get to Cape May, or before I had gotten to Cape May, I was able to get a guaranteed geographical location. What that means is my ASVAB score was high enough that they said, hey, dude, you, why don't you just pick you know, a place area you want to go uh, before you go? To boot camp, so I I was um, I didn't really know um, that um, what a kind of big deal that was until I got to boot camp and realized that of seventy some people, there was only three of us that had a guaranteed geographical location. It's not to say we are smarter than everyone. I clearly wasn't uh, based on some of the stupidity um, I had um, shown. The the geographical location I had picked was an area between Maryland and Florida, so all the way down the East Coast. That's a pretty broad area. And if there was a billet for a Coast Guard seaman apprentice, which is what I was going to be when I graduated boot camp, I could pick one of those places and they would send me there. So while everyone else was busy, you know, in another room, I am sitting with these two other recruits. We had gone to a different room and we were meeting with, I think it was the Coast Guard Chief Petty Officer. It might have been a warrant officer. I'm really vague on that. Basically, I felt like we were skipping the line and maybe getting a better deal or um, a better bill or a choice. I don't know. Anyway, I felt like I was getting over. When it was my turn to pick, I had, uh, had asked about Key West, Florida. It wasn't even given to me as an option. I just asked. And the guy that was there said, um, sure, okay, there is a spot in Key West, Florida. And he said, do you happen to know anyone from the Coast Guard Cutter Lipan? And I just kind of looked at him and kind of casually, nonchalantly said, I know the commanding officer of the Lipan. It seemed like an innocent thing to say because I did know him. The guy asked me a direct question. I wasn't going to lie about it, but I probably should have. And now you're probably wondering why in the world did he even ask that? Well, the Coast Guard Cutter Lipan was actually home ported in Key West, Florida. And somewhere along all this mess, Somebody from the Cutter Lipan, who I think I found out it was the executive officer, the XO, had called. It might have been like their senior admin officer. I don't remember. But anyway, someone had called from the Lipan to the Kate May and said that there was a billet or a spot for me on the Lipan. And as it turns out, because they had gotten the week wrong that I was graduating that they ended up giving it to somebody else, which is okay. Uh, it was a billet for a fireman, for somebody that works in the engine room, and I definitely wasn't going to do that. Mm-mm. No, wait, I'm not a grease monkey. This particular little story was going to end up um, being a little bit of a uh, point of contention later for um, a few folks, and, um, and I'll get to that a bit later. So after we had picked our spots, the other two recruits and I went back to the, uh, the room with the rest of our uh, company. They were still picking their places, and it was kind of interesting to hear where they were going. 
people were getting uh, small boat stations. And at the time, I had no idea what a small boat station was. I didn't even know what I was going to be doing in Key West, Florida. I knew I was going to something called Group Key West. I had no idea what a Group Key West was. I just knew it was Key West. And because I knew the um, commanding officer of that one Coast Guard cutter, uh, I knew I was in pretty good shape. I mean, I had known that guy since I was in elementary school. After the duty stations had all been picked and some people were happy, some people weren't. I mean, this is kind of, that's how life is, right? I mean, I was more or less happy. I got Key West, Florida. But if I'm being honest, I had no idea where Key West, Florida was. I mean, I knew it was in Florida. I knew it was an island. And I think I knew it was sort of close to Cuba. But in relation to the map in the United States, I had no idea where Key West was. I was clueless. I mean, you sort of got the idea I was clueless from the first episode. Still clueless. We had gotten back to Healy Hall and uh, we, had just, we were going up the stairs to the second floor and I ran into my company commander in the infamous quarterdeck or the place as I refer to call it the Hall of Pain or shame. Just depends on what you, um, what your, what your preference is. So he had a little kind of a, I think he had a bit of a smirk on his face and he asked me uh, where I was going to be. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Stationed, and I, I, I remember I hesitated, and I what it came out, sir, group key west, sir, or something like that. I, I remember his eyes got sort of big, 
And, uh, and literally he said, how the hell did you get that? So without going into details, um, I, I just mentioned that I had a guaranteed location and he shook his head and just walked away. And I remember I was the one with the little smile on his face when he walked past me. I was lucky. Um, I don't think he was really anxious for me to get a, what he considered a, um, a prime spot. So the other recruits of Victor company, we were sitting in our squad bay kind of, you know, milled around. We were talking about duty stages again. And, um, so Mr. Rick Nicaragua and Rafa and I sat together. Nicaragua was going to New York city and, uh, I think it was support station, New York. And uh, Rafa was going to Isla Morada in the Florida Keys. Funny thing is, though, we were actually only a few hours apart from each other. We, I mean, we were pretty close, um, at least in distance-wise, uh, when we got out. But Rafa and I wouldn't meet up again till like over a year later. He and I would both end up in New York City. And uh, we actually caught up with uh, Mr. Nicaragua. And I'll be talking about that in a few episodes from now, maybe quite a few episodes from now, because um, was, there was a big year gap uh, before I saw those two again. But it was kind of funny, though. So we were all you know, pretty much excited and maybe nervous a little bit, too, because we knew boot camp was ending and we were going to be leaving one routine and have to go to some other place and learn the ropes again. and. You know, it's just always the new thing, right? I mean, there were a few other things we needed to do in boot camp. We were almost done. We still had to go to the range and get qualified on M16 and a um, a 45 pistol. So that was kind of cool. I had never actually shot a pistol before until like, till then. Um, you know, then they had some last minute, you know, sort of dental screenings and health screenings to make sure that you weren't leaving there with um, in any worse shape than when you got there. I did have to go to dental. I think two more times. I, I know one time was to get a cavity filled. The other time, I'm not sure. So maybe I'm just, you know, on crack or something like that. I don't know. We also had to do some basic seamanship training, too. It was like one of the last big ticket items we had to do. I believe that on the other side of the training center is where we did this. There was a uh, Coast Guard 41-footer uh, small boat. Uh, they were using that for training. So in 1987, the uh, uh, the 41 was like the all-around utility boat for the Coast Guard. I mean, it, it it was the workhorse. It would do everything. They used it for safety patrols. They used it for search and rescue, or SAR, S-A-R, as they call in the Coast Guard. I mean, it did everything. They towed people with it. I mean, it was it, it was it was a nice boat. As part of our seamanship training, we had to learn how to stand a watch, a lookout watch, actually. So sometime in the middle of the night, I mean, it was late, late. Uh, I know it was after taps. Three or four of us um, had, had, were told to get up, and there was on a particular schedule. We marched over to the other side of the base where this uh, 41-footer was. We, we basically took turns standing on top of the boat and there was a petty officer there, you know, training us on how to be a lookout. I mean, it was just the basics, nothing particularly interesting. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing up there. I had no idea. 
I heard the other dudes saying stuff, so I just figured they weren't getting yelled at for saying the stuff they were doing, and so I was going to do it, so it was going to be pretty easy. The guy did go over a few things we had to know. So you you had to know how to identify targets, or not so much identify them, but be able to communicate their location relative to the ship, or in this case, the boat. So when it was my turn to stand up there, we were right next to a parking lot. So it, when people would walk by, I'd say, hey, there's a blah, blah, blah flange head. Flange head's what, we, what they call recruits. Um, and that was a nice way of talking to recruits. I'd say that, or there'd be a stray bird, or I see a plane, you know, overhead. And um, so you'd have to give general locations of these things. Now, pretty sure I might have this all wrong. Um, but the general gist is, is that when you saw something, you needed to report it. And the reporting sort of went like this. Bridge, look out. And the bridge would normally say, look out, bridge. And then you'd say, bridge, look out, aircraft, 33 degrees, starboard, position angle three. And essentially, position angle three was how many fists you can make from like the horizon and you count to the many times that you saw where the plane met. So I know I'm not describing that well, but you might get the idea. And so the dude would know that relative to the ship, he would look around 33 degrees, which was like off the port bow. And he'd look up, you know, like three fists high and there would be your plane, something like that. So anyway, there was a standard way of communicating stuff. And, um, but I haven't done this in a long, 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 long time. I mean, I, I, was, I was only a lookout for a short period of time anyway, so I could totally have this wrong. But the times I was a lookout, uh, the ship I was on, it's really kind of an interesting thing. If you've never actually been out on a ship in the middle of the night with no lights at all, and you're, we're up on the O3 deck, and the O3 deck is the third deck above the main deck. It's quiet. It's 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 sort of it's it really is a surreal feeling. Um, kind of comforting actually. Anyway, I'll talk about some lookout stuff in the future. And, and I'm just getting all weird and nostalgic now. And we don't want to do that. When we finished our watch training, I mean, we really bored the hell out of that petty officer. That was there. I remember that he just he couldn't wait for us to be done. I'm sure he didn't want to be there. But uh, hey, it's a job, right? I'm sure he didn't know he'd be doing that when he joined the Coast Guard. So we were back at the barracks, and uh, like I said, it was like an hour or two-hour watch. We went back. We got a few hours of sleep before we had to get up at 5 o'clock again. So by week six, um, I, I have to say that they didn't wake you up in sort of any abrupt manner any longer. Uh, I mean, you were—you got into a routine. You woke up at 5 o'clock. You put on your sweats, and you headed out to morning uh, PT. So, so PT in the Coast Guard— uh, was sort of like normal calisthenic type stuff. You did do some push-ups and you usually ended it um, with, you know, a run around the parade field. Like many weird sort of routine things we got into, you just got used to all the exercising. We woke up, we either got cranked in our squad bay or we woke up, got into our sweats, we went outside and did uh, PT. By the time you were done with PT, it was like 5.45 in the morning. They usually gave you about five minutes to get upstairs, get changed into your, um, your uniform of the day, which was normally these dark 
blue, um, working blues. And then we back out in formation again. That was sort of our routine for, for weeks. The funny thing, around week six is also about the time that most of the company commanders knew me. It's because uh, I was an IT ninja. I was always at IT for like for like two weeks, I think, maybe three weeks. So what, the night before, I remember that, or one night, I shouldn't say the night before, one night there was uh, Chief Clicks. He was the guy that I mentioned that had the, um, the little metal, um, metal things on his shoes that clicked when he walked. So he was a training duty officer one night. And man, that dude, uh, I, man, we were at IT one night. And I remember it was, it was cold because this, by this time it was like, you know, early November in Cape May, New Jersey. So we're in our sweats. And so we're out of the parade field, you know, on the, the, the concrete track around it. This dude, Chief Clicks and some of his other company commander friends were sitting on the stairs to go into Healy Hall. And th- this dude, he had a whistle. So Clicks would sit there with his whistle and he would blow it. And when it, the first time he blew it, we started running. And the next time he blew it, you have to uh, drop and give him push-ups until he blew the whistle again. So you, you'd, he'd blow the whistle and you'd jump up and you'd get like six feet. And this, this crazy sadistic bastard would blow the whistle again. And then you'd drop to the ground, you'd do more push-ups, you'd get like five or 20 out or something like that, and you'd jump back up again, and again, just as you started running, he'd blow the whistle again, and when you've got like 10 or 15 people trying to run in formation, but each time you start getting into a groove, he makes you stop and you do push-ups, and this went on and on and on and on for it. Because you're out there for an hour, and that's what we did mostly was just run around this parade field, running, doing push-ups, get up, running, doing push-ups. It was, if you could imagine like the Keystone Cops or Laurel and Hardy or Abbott and Costello um, doing all of this stuff. And if none of that makes sense, for those of you who watch a lot of zombie movies, just imagine it's just um, a whole horde of zombies sort of struggling around and then falling to the ground and getting back up. And if you don't know about The Walking Dead, just imagine that there's 10 or 15 or 20 drunks trying to run a race around a track and they'd get like 10 or 15 feet and they'd all stumble. That's sort of how we looked like. And I know that was like sort of a um, long-winded explanation, but it was really embarrassing to watch that. I mean, he just blew that whistle. That dude was so... He was mental. I think he really enjoyed this crap. By the, by the time we were done, we had, it, IT was just about over, and we were all standing in formation, and Clicks, Chief Clicks remembered me from the other night when I had said the wrong thing to my company commander, and he got into my face, and he's sitting there yelling a bunch of stuff, and he makes me drop and do some more push-ups, and he's sitting there yelling at me, and then I stand back up again, and he... He's got his, like, his face is right in front of mine. I remember he stunk. I mean, I, yeah, he really stunk. And mostly it was his breath. I mean, he smoked. 
And so he's had, he, his, his breath stunk like cigarettes and, and coffee. I mean, he was just a hot mess. He was a typical Coast Guard chief, except he was kind of thin. Most Coast Guard chiefs had a big old belly. But anyway, that's a whole different story. So back to the following morning, when I was kind of mentioning about morning PT, one of the mornings that actually that very next morning, actually, Clicks was doing the morning PT. And when PT was just about over, he he pulled out the damn whistle and we all dropped to the ground and um, started doing push-ups. And then that son of a bitch walked up to me and I, I, he started yelling at me, but he was trying to have a conversation with me when he was yelling. And he's like, hey, Gonzalez, you remember my whistle, don't you? You got to hear a lot of that last night. You know, I'm going to check my schedule, find out when I got TDO again. Hell, I might just come back in the evening so you can get more of it. And yes, I did have IT that night, and thankfully, clicks did not come around. I really hated that fucking whistle. It was horrible. For those of you that were in boot camp um, around the same time I was, uh, you had to have run into clicks. Um, that, that dude, man, he was a piece of work. Man. And honestly, I think of all the company commanders that were there, he was probably the one in the um, least physically fit conditions. I mean, he was a mess. Uh, but I don't know. I wouldn't see clicks again um, for IT till like the latter part of week seven. And, uh, but I wasn't in IT that night, but I was marching with the rest of my company and there were a whole bunch of other recruits, like a ton of recruits all out in the parade field. And I heard clicks was and clicks was out there. If you're wondering, you're probably right. Uh, it was my fault that they were all there. You've been listening to Gonzo, the Coast Guard ears, written and produced by Tung Gonzalez. And I'm Nicholas Gonzalez, the voice guy. Join us Monday for another episode of Gonzo, the Coast Guard ears. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.